Welcome to an all-new episode of Full Metal RPG. I'm your host, Brendan. And I'm your host, Ben. And we're coming to you one more time, bringing you some talking about games and stuff. What you up to, Ben? Well, uh, you know, similar things to you, I guess. We, uh, this past weekend, did... Yeah, we tend to do that, don't we? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing when you're in the same gaming group. Uh, we did, uh, you know, Iron GM this past weekend at uh, IO. Was that just this past weekend? No, that no, was, it was that two was weekends two ago. Weeks I guess. Ago. Yeah, I guess that was two weekends ago. This last weekend we didn't do much, but uh, two weekends ago we did uh, Iron GM. I guess we haven't talked about that yet since we did it. No, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah. you, I, and uh, Yona. Yona was there, and Heather was there. Heather, the girlfriend, was there, and Phil. Phil, shout out to Phil. Hey, what up, Phil? Yeah, Phil showed up, and we all we all did this together. We didn't all play in the same game. Yeah, we weren't able to. Yeah, the way they divide it, it's like uh, they want a certain amount of people at each each table before they like you know seat you higher. So it ended up that Phil and I were at the same table, and mm-hmm. you, Yona, and uh, Heather were all at the same table. Yeah, this other guy named Brian. Yeah, how was your experience there? It was pretty good. You know, um, I was talking to Yona about it afterwards. We all went to dinner, and uh, his takeaway from it was very similar to mine, where he said. Um, because uh, the guy who ran our game, his name is Matt. He's actually a employee at uh, IOG um, Imperial Outpost Games, where the event was hosted, and it, um, it was hosted again by by our friend Ben Mandel, who uh, did that one at Tempe Game Depot, the one that I won. This time I didn't want to compete, and I just wanted to play. So we sat at the table of this guy named Matt, who ran for our Savage Worlds, and um, and he ended up winning. And as we were driving away, we were kind of comparing notes, Yona and Heather and I, and we were talking about, like, well, um, like, how do we think it go? What, what was our thoughts about it, et cetera? And um, Yona said, I think that he was the beneficiary of our experience with Ravenloft. And I just started laughing. I was like, yes, I think he was. Because mm. there were definitely these moments when, like, the trollish gamer in me, like, was, like, wanting to, like, dig in my heels and, like, make it about me and stuff. And I was just like, no. Well, I mean. No. First off, I, I didn't see, like, I mean, obviously, I wasn't your game. I was playing my game, and my game was fun, and we had a blast. But Yona seemed like he was having more fun than anyone else in that room. Yeah, yeah. He was... He was he was killing it. He was doing some really like um, some really over the top role playing. Yeah, I <laughs> I think there were there were definitely times where people, everyone in the room, was sort of paying attention to him and what was going on <laughs> in that game. Yeah, I mean, Yona, generally speaking, is a is a kind of demure guy, right? At least that's how I kind of if I were to like come up with traits that I would think would describe Yona, I would imagine a sort of quiet ish demure guy. But he has sure. these, he has these moments where he can be very very extroverted, and that was definitely in full force. Super on... bombastic and like. Oh yeah, yeah. He was just. Uh... I heard something about poison. I don't even. Well, the game that we were in, there was some kind of like. Uh... Oh, we had this. There was this like mad scientist doctor with us who was 
And I don't really understand exactly what was going on with him. My character wasn't always in the same room. And we were playing some kind of, we were playing like a, like a space opera, kind of like a lighthearted yet hyper-violent like space opera kind of thing. Like the, the GM described as being Guardians of the Galaxy-esque, where it was just very kind of like, um, we were all playing kind of space rogues, you know? And uh, one of these space rogues is this doctor guy who had done some kind of like, I don't know what he had done, but he created some kind of viral contagion mm. that then was infecting the ship, and we were all concerned about our ability to survive it. I see, I see. And you managed to pull through. Well, yeah, I mean, we all made it. Um cuz I I I mean just from the outside it seemed like it seemed like uh, a lot of that um sort of excitedness was between him and the other player Brian. Yeah, and they both got the um role player awards for mm. uh for the table. Um and I mean they were just really they were just really into it, you know. And and that was fine. I was kind of in the mood to like roll some dice and kill some shit, so I had told the guy like Oh yeah, I kind of want to play like a gunfighter type character, somebody who's just really good with like, killing people. And then he gave me that, and that's what I got to do. And as it turns out, Savage Worlds is pretty good for that. Nice. Like, like if you just want to roll like a couple die and just have somebody like disintegrate in front of you, like you can do that in Savage Worlds. As it turns out. Nice. Yeah. Um. It seemed like uh, every time I looked over, everybody at your table seemed like they had a bunch of smiles. And uh, it seemed like, for the most part, everybody's really enjoying themselves. Um, How did you find your game? Well, so I, you know, funny story. Like always, when going into these things, I'm, I'm always like, I don't want Dungeons and & Dragons, yeah. and I don't want Pathfinder. I want something I haven't played. You know? and, and, and just as a side note, it's sort of strange how many people bid those systems. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, you have this opportunity to bid this like r- these random systems that like no one's ever heard of that like you can run these totally wonky games that are totally exciting and fun. Yeah. And totally suited for something like this too, you know, these sort of pulpy games, these sort of like super action-oriented games. And um, you know, people people want to stick with more sort of obtuse systems that take longer and and uh I guess they sort of figure on some level everybody's familiar with it. I, I think that they think that it's the only thing that they're familiar with. Uh, well, like that a, could be the case. Like, a lot of people have been brought into role-playing via Pathfinder and D&D 5, and they don't want to do anything other than that. Well, I know that I was talking to one of the guys at my table before it even happened, and um, and uh, we were talking, and I was like, oh, yeah, so what do you guys hope uh, hope gets pitched? <laughs> and he's like, Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder. And I was like, really? <laughs> I'm like, I do not hope those. I hope that something different. I mean, I'll play happily at anything, but I mean, yeah. I'd love the chance to do uh, – something different and i knew that uh our future guest tonight here who would be here shortly jim jim was going to be pitching um dungeon world and um and so i was like oh well i would really like to do some dungeon world i own it i've never actually played it should be fun and um the guy's like well i'm really only willing to play some stuff that i've play play something that i've already played and um turns out dungeon world was one of those games thankfully yeah thankfully but but uh, he would listed like maybe four or five games that he played, and um, one of his GM was at the other table. But he still pitched Dungeons and Dragons, even though he had, you know, he obviously had experience in these other games as well. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily yeah, he couldn't you got run me on anything. that. It wasn't like he couldn't couldn't uh, run anything else. He just chose to do it. Now I, 
I know that they were really into miniatures and like uh, miniatures on the table. Yeah, homie had like a ton of Dwarven Forge. Ton of Dwarven Forge. I mean, it was a it was a pretty attractive thing that he had sitting out on the table with the like dungeon and stuff. And that's not usually my take on it. I'm not really like a big fan of that stuff. But for what it was, it was cool, you know. Yeah, it's really cool. We got this guy who follows the Instagram. Uh, he his name he goes by Inked Mage. And uh, that guy has, like, the hugest treasure trove of Dwarven Forge, and he, like, puts pictures up of his, like, insanely detailed dungeons that he makes out of it. And now, to me, like, I'm not about that kind of immersion. I'm more about, like, you know, storytelling immersion and um, stuff like that. But, uh, like, tabletop LARP, you know what I'm saying? Like, remember back in the day mm-hmm. when you used to get really into that whole mm-hmm. blurring those two things? But, uh, I mean, for what it is, that Dwarven Forge stuff is amazing. Yeah. I, I maybe 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 the only reason why I'm never like super into it is because it seems like it's sort of an all or nothing type thing where like you know everything has to be painted and everything has to look good or you know if, if people eh, have unpainted pieces and that, that sort of it sort of like ruins it a little bit you know what I mean it does um, and maybe that's why I've never been able to get into it you know because we've never had that point where everything was like super painted and super detailed and ready to go we have not we have not we are like those bad like lazy gamers I follow all these guys these infinity guys on Instagram and they're like yeah I just painted my army like this afternoon totally sucks and it's got like four colors on it and the, and the lines are clean and I'm like I always just want to weep into my own hands <laughs> yeah um yeah, it's it's crazy. But anyway, anyway. Yeah, it, Dungeon World. It so happens that we ended up getting Dungeon World and Jim as our as our GM and um I got to say, man, I love that system. It's just so fun being able to to uh sort of narrate what your characters do um on this sort of like insanely uh like descriptive um cinematic level that uh it just lends itself to like some fun over the top crazy action you know like we had we had we had like uh we at one point there was like a uh we were getting boarded by like um we were like sort of like a a ship fleeing a port and like sort of like a smuggler kind of ship and um we got boarded by like uh by like uh people trying to sort of drag us back and uh you know there were characters who were like leaping off of like the ship to like capsize boats you know i mean that's oh yeah that's, you're playing with physics i mean that you can't do that shit in like D. it becomes a big battle ah, no time. i know but 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 you can narrate cinematically what you do and um you roll the dice and uh, if your dice come up like great then then your narration's perfect if they come out like not quite as good then like you can do it but maybe something bad happens like uh you know you take a spill and like you know, you, you, you have to worry about, like, maybe taking on some water or something. Mm, that makes sense. Or, uh, you know, you roll poorly and, uh, you know, something, something like the, the, the storyteller narrates what happens. And um, it's, uh, it's a total blast. So you had a good experience. I had a great experience. I thought that uh, Jim's game flowed great. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, he had great command of the rules. The thing, the thing that I liked the least actually had nothing to do with Jim. Had nothing to do with Jim. Had nothing to do with uh, with everything. It was just sort of the setup for Iron GM. It was in, in in sort of direct contrast to my last time playing an Iron GM, where I was in the Pathfinder game, where they wanted to start us at fifth level with a bunch of people who hadn't played Pathfinder before. <laughs> um, you know, that group took forever to, to to make characters, and after the time was called to start running the game, we essentially uh, weren't done yet, and we still weren't done. Maybe fifteen minutes into the game. Yeah. 
This we were done in like five minutes, literally like five minutes. Jim had all the playbooks. He put the playbooks out on the table. The game of the playbooks are available for people to want to play. And playbooks people... are like character classes yep. but the, uh, for, for uh, Apocalypse Engine style games. Yeah, essentially it's just like a fold out that like, you know, has like a, has a very like some loose stuff in there, like abilities that you can get. You can make your choice. And it's kind of like a checklist, right? Like you get, yep. go down that list and you're like, you get either this or this. And then yep. you go to the next one because you get either this or this, right? Yeah, and the, the outside's pretty simple. It's like a spot for a name and they give you suggestions. And uh, and then they the there's like uh, there's like a, a section for like physical looks um, that you can like it sort of like jogs your memory some choices you can have and and then the 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 the, the stats are array they give you like numbers you just plug them where you want and um, at that point like you choose your abilities in the inside of the playbook it's a checklist exactly like like Brendan was saying and uh, the the equipments works very similarly. And the only thing we were left with was uh, the bonds. And the bonds is sort of a special thing in uh, in uh, Apocalypse Engine where... Well, that one, the bond, bonds is unique to Dungeon World where it has you create like a party dynamic by saying you were part of this sure but it's something that's it's something that like exists sort of i think vaguely on like certain levels in all of the engines yeah but they, they aren't called There's like debts or like De- yeah debts. yeah um, I, I don't know what the other ones are i don't know what the one is in in uh um, apocalypse world for instance I, I i knew that a while back but i forgot you know when i get my copy off that kickstarter then i'll be able to tell you that so stoked for that and speaking of kickstarter i just thought you should know the cult Lost Divinity oh, Kickstarter yes. is ending here. By the time that this thing goes live, we'll have this thing up at like 10 p.m. on Wednesday night, okay, which will be the 30th, and March 30th. And on March 31st, the Kickstarter is going to be over. That's the last day of the Kickstarter for Cult Lost Divinity, the return of the super graphic, super gory, uh, gothic horror role-playing game from the 90s. Now... I was reading about this just today from the uh, uh, associate of Chris Handley on Network Zero. His 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 co-host did an article interviewing the de- development team, and Cult Divinity Lost started out as a rules hack for Apocalypse Engine, and it still runs on Apocalypse Engine. So it's a solid gothic horror game. It's gonna be a run. On I didn't a know pocal- that. Oh, I didn't know that either. But let me tell you, I am. It's maybe get a little crass here, people, but I am balls deep in that. You know, that makes me wanna. That makes me wanna support that Kickstarter. I hadn't actually done it yet, Dude. Uh, mostly because I just got done with the the Seventh Sea and the uh, and the uh, Apocalypse Engine Kickstarter. Like anything, you are like, well, I gotta gotta make my choices, and and I sort of made mine. Uh, but I guess I might be throwing out some kroner for this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude. I mean, it is that book is gonna be crazy. I am two hundred and twenty bucks into cult. Right How many now. kroner is that exactly? Uh, eighteen hundred, <laughs> eighteen hundred. Um, so I'm just gonna. I, I I'm so backlogged on kickstarters. I've bought so many and received so none that I am just going to like get them tattooed to the inside of my arm. <laughs> and then when I actually receive them, I will have a tattoo of a line crossing them off. Anyway, so we're about at our break. And yep. uh, when we come back from our break, we're going to have our buddy Jim. We're going to talk about Iron GM. And Jim has taken on the Herculean task of throwing his own RPG convention. 
new here to Phoenix. Also a Kickstarter. Also a Kickstarter. So we'll talk to him about the challenges of, the, of both of those uh, uh, arenas. Uh, and we look forward to speaking with you. All right, we'll see you in a minute. back from our break we'd like to encourage you to stick around at the end of the show when we will be announcing the winner of the Cursed by Ravenloft competition in the meantime we want to thank our good friends Blode for use of this song Deliverance off of the album of the same title thanks for Keltrack All right, great. So we're back, and we have uh, our friend and fellow gamer, a game master, and uh, soon-to-be convention organizer, Jim Miller. Welcome. Thanks. I don't know what the fuck happened that I got that title, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we met doing Iron GM, yeah. right? We had the Game Depot. This is back in October, and we have a, we have a mutual friend. Right. Uh, so I think I think I knew you. I knew your. I knew you from Facebook. I knew who you. Yeah, you had a mutual friend when I first moved here. I uh, I grew up as a goth kid, so I, when I moved to Phoenix, I went to a lot of the goth clubs that were around, and there was only like six people that were at these clubs, right? <laughs> yeah. and so my friend it's Jay true. was one of them. He was one of the first people that I met when I moved here, and he's a cool, nutty dude, and uh, and I've known him like I don't know, 10, 11 years now. Wonderful, wonderful, good. So we met at that. And uh, I was running World of Darkness, and you were running Rocket I was running, Age. Uh, no, uh, no, Cosmic Control. Cosmic Control. Cosmic Control. Control. Yeah. Dude, okay, my bad. Oh, that was terrible too, because like I went in there. Um, well, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun on like. No, dude, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This thing, natural man. conversation, so, man. Do the thing. All right, thing. so Iron GM. If, if anybody doesn't know how it works, like you basically you go and um, if you're a GM, you go and you sign up and you get a table full of strangers, and they you the default setting is uh, what is it fifth edition and. And, um, or Pathfinder. Or Pathfinder, right? Um, so I went at, with this nutty little game um, called Cosmic Patrol, which is basically like a pulp sci-fi, Flash Gordon kind of uh, serial uh, kind of thing, right? And um, and I pitched it to the table. And they all said, nope. <laughs> I was like, fuck. I was like, Were all you right. ready to do uh, D&D or Pathfinder? Um, I'll get to that in a sec. Oh, okay. So okay. I, I looked at him. I was like, all right. And I said, Pathfinder it is. And so um, they all looked at me, right? <laughs> like this whole table of fucking strangers looking at me and they all blinked. I swear to you, they all fucking blinked. They're like, blink, blink. And and then this 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 uh, dad and his son were like, um, we've never played Pathfinder. Like we just played fifth edition. <laughs> and this other dude was like, yeah, man. He's like, I only played fifth edition and fourth edition. This other guy's like, yeah, I'm a fourth edition guy. And so the whole table hadn't played Pathfinder. And so um, I had already th- laid the character sheets out after I made the pitch for like, you know, robots, ray guns, and, you know. I liked your pitch, I remember. Yeah. I, I remember I was like, I was stunned when they were like, no. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, fuck. But I threw the character sheets down anyway. And so they're they're all looking at me like, we don't know how to play Pathfinder. And, and luckily for me, 
like if you enjoy Pathfinder, that's awesome. Like, you know, like I'm all for anybody playing any game. Sure, game, sure, right? of course. It's not my cup of tea, uh, personally, um, just because I've I've kind of moved on to a different style of gaming. But, um, but from the outside, if you don't know about it, all you hear is either people love it; it's the greatest fucking thing in the world. Yeah. Or stay away from it. It's it's like Satan himself rules, right? <laughs> and so this table, they were like, shit, we don't know this. We don't know how to make characters. And it's really complicated. So it intimidated them. And so they looked at the character sheet. They're like, there's nothing on this character sheet. There's really not that much here. It seems, is this easy? And I was like, yes, it's very For the easy. Rocket Age. For, for, the for, rocket. Uh, for Cosmic Patrol. Cosmic Patrol. And, um, and so they're like, well, and I, I give them a quick pitch on how it works. And they're like, well, let's let's give this system a try because we don't want to learn Pathfinder. And I was <laughs> like, holy shit. Because also another thing about, about uh, Iron GM is that for the first hour is the GM, you're not allowed to talk to the table. You're allowed to say three words. And the entire rest of like the story pitch and the character creation, that all has to be done via like pantomiming and stuff. And I mean, good. I mean, if they don't know Pathfinder, then good fucking luck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah good luck with that. And so I had, I had pit- that experience. <laughs> yeah. So I had to teach him how to, how to play the game and make the characters um you know by pantomiming but luckily there's nothing to fill out they're kind of like pre-made so they just had to fill out a couple of bubbles and that was it nice and so it worked really well and um and i took second so second fun fun fact i bought the game uh wednesday no yes i bought the game wednesday i ran my first game of it thursday and then competed on saturday wow that's so that was actually my turnaround (laughs) and 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 the, the competition at uh uh, Game Depot in Tempe was stiff. It was, day, yeah, there was yeah. Some asshole won first place. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that, that guy. <laughs> fucking narcissistic jerk. For those who don't know, Brendan won that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we get through an episode without me mentioning it, that, to be yeah. totally honest. So, so one of the things I was I was thinking about was when you were telling the story, you were telling us, like, if we didn't take your Dungeon World pitch this last time, you had a you had a separate Pathfinder game that was uh, pretty out there. So oh, so do tell. So okay, so 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 Jim was in the first one. Neither Ben nor I played with him, but then nope. Ben was at his table for the second one. And so you had a backup Pathfinder game. Yes and no. Okay, so Ooh, lay um, on me. All right. So this, is, this sounds juicy. I gotta know. It really is. So uh, I was gonna sort of loophole it, right? Because the default system has to be Pathfinder or D anD D, and I didn't want to do D anD D. Um, so I'm a big story game guy. Yeah. So when I went into um, when I went in, in, into the Iron GM, I'm like, I'm bringing a story game. I'm gonna fucking mop this place up with everyone and their Pathfinder, right? Because it's it's just it's an easier, lighter. It's made for this kind of stuff. It's made yeah. for improvisation. Um, so I came in kind of cocky. Little did I know there was gonna be some dude who ran fucking World of Darkness like for like 20 years and <laughs> like, just completely <laughs> slaughtered me. But, um, but but the other thing that I'm really enthusiastic about besides story games is OSR. Like, I uh, love OSR. Yeah. Like, you guys talk about Lamentations all the time. I fucking love Lamentations. Sure. Um, Dude. You just got a Labyrinth Lord. Labyrinth Lord's great. I actually prefer yeah. Lamentations a little better. But, um, me too. But when I got into OSR, that led me to DCC, to Dungeon Crawl Classics. Mm. And if I'm going to play a traditional fantasy game, for me, Dungeon Crawl Classics is it. Like, that's the epitome right there. That's, that's the best shit. I, a lot of people have said that. And now I have to he- plead ignorance here. Because he was telling us about this. I, it sounds pretty awesome. Like, like, like I, my, I'm, I'm waiting on the Kickstarter, like uh, for the fourth printing yeah, of the first yeah. edition. I'm just I'm waiting for it to come in. So, 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 why? Tell me why. So, Dungeon Crawl Classics is really cool because it's, um, essentially, uh, this guy Joseph Goodman. He, 
came up with this game and he basically was like, what if Dungeons and Dragons, like the original Dungeons and Dragons came out today? What would it look like? And so kind of a weird thing about Dungeons and Dragons, right? And Pathfinder. The two big games um, essentially are, they're token worlds, right? They're, they're token-esque. Everything is basically token, mm-hmm. um, which is cool, except that D&D didn't start off that way. D&D started off as being being influenced by a bunch of things, not just yeah. Token. Token was like one of like 30 sure. authors, right? Yeah, the Appendix N authors. Appendix N authors, right. So there you go. So Appendix N had a bunch of weird sci-fi. It had horror. So you had like a little bit of Lovecraft and your Joseph Campbell. You had like all this like, like you had all these different influences, not just Token. Which is why you have things like Ravenloft plus like Spelljammer plus right. like Dark Sun and all the like old D&D titles. Right. Yeah. All this weird shit. And if you look at the old D&D modules and the, the really old stuff, it was really weird and bizarre and kind of psychedelic because it was the 70s where we did drugs. right? Mm-hmm. And so it was really cool. So DCC is basically that. It's like, what if those were made today? To, you know, minus all the token shit, just make it really weird and gonzo and crazy and deadly and cool. So my basic <sighs> pitch to it great. is, and it, my pitch only works for people of a certain age, right? But <laughs> the way that I tell people easiest, like if you're near my age, I'll say um, it's Dragon's Lair, the RPG. Well, like the cartoon? <laughs> yeah, that cartoon video game with the guy that runs and gets killed like every 30 seconds. See, I never really watched it. So it wasn't I- a cartoon, it was a video game. Yeah, but the video oh, game was. It was more where you press a press direction when you had to press direction. Yeah. Or like, oh, I hated that game. It was fucking hard, right? Because <laughs> you game die, really like, hard. boom, you just die. <laughs> yeah, that's Dungeon Crawl Classics. Like they also did all kinds of other things. Like um, uh, they took all the things that were sort of dangerous, like back in the eighties, because uh, you got to remember, like there was a satanic panic in the eighties, mm-hmm. right? And so D and D really pulled back a lot of like the religious stuff and deities and this and that. This game's like, no, fuck no. Oh, your wizard needs a couple of extra points to do a spell? Go do a deal with a demon to trade part of your life essence, and you <laughs> fucking can rock on, right? Yes. And so it does all kinds of just weird gonzo stuff like that. Um, it's it's uh, it's a D20 game, but it's barely a D20 game. And the fact that Dungeon Call Classics uses a D20 mechanic, so you roll a D20 plus a stat, and you hit a target number. Real basic, right? It has the three stats, the three saves. So, uh, will, fort, was it will, fort, and uh, reflex. Reflex, mm. like yeah. the traditional yeah. three. Yeah, the three that the third edition has, right? And Pathfinder has. Um, and, and, you know, your, your, your bonuses are the same and stuff like that. So, it's, it's, but other than that, everything else is gone. There's no skills, there's no powers, there's no classes, none of that shit is there. And then it adds a couple of other things to it. Um, so, Dungeon Crawl Classics strips down a, a, a system that in my opinion today is, is very bogged down in, in minutia. Like you can really munchkin Pathfinder. You can really munchkin. Uh, oh yeah. Movie, right. There are forums and forums full of posts about the shit. Right. Yeah. And so uh dungeon call class strips all that out. It adds sort of like this eighties, seventies, eighties metal vibe to it. Like everything is sort of funky and, and just really metal. There's a lot of demons and fucking hell things and just really cool shit that I think is really like, just appeals to me. Hell yeah, dude. And um, I feel that. And then every adventure is fucking gonzo as hell. Like it's just it's just gonzo. It's just crazy shit right off the bat. And um, so one of the things that makes DCC unique, though, that's a lot of fun that people talk about, is the funnel. You always hear people talk about the funnel when you read about uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics. I have never heard about the funnel. Tell okay. us more. So the funnel, what it is, is um, you start off with zero level characters. 
and you do it old school the way Crom intended. 3D6 right down the line. Yes. So 3D6, boom, that's your strength. 3D6, boom, that's your intelligence. You do that all the way down. Fuck you. Whatever you get is what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, you get 1D4 hit points. Roll a D4. You got a one hit point. Oh, well. You make a zero level character that's basically a villager. And you have um, a table that you roll to see what, what you do. So you might be like a rope maker. Mm-hmm. So your little rope maker dude has one hit point and 100 feet of rope. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> or you can be a gong farmer. I didn't know what the fuck a gong farmer was, but it turns out in medieval society, somebody had to go and collect all the shit and take it and uh, throw it out of the, the city walls or whatever. Just get it out of the city. And so it's a guy who collects shit. He's like a <laughs> septic tank dude, right? Wow. So you're a gong farmer. You have a bag of shit. Have fun in the dungeon. So you take um, these little zero-level characters, these villagers that are just like you know a candlestick maker, a rope maker, a fucking goat farmer with a goat, like you literally have a goat, and you take four or five of them as a player, and every player has four or five of these things. You throw them in a dungeon meat grinder, and you just fucking brutally murder them as just as brutally as you can. Whoever survives, that's your first-level character. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. It's like, don't that get attached r- to anybody because they're all going to fucking die. They're all really just meat cool, sacks man. waiting to die. So it takes that that whole idea of like taking a character and holding on to it. You building this little badass character that he's going to be, you're going to pour your hopes and dreams into this one character. And you're going to spend 45 minutes making him. And hopefully, you know, he'll level up and be a badass one day. And that's not Dungeon Crawl Classics. Dungeon Crawl Classics is everyone's a fucking sack of meat. Good luck, whoever survives. <laughs> And then that's your that's your hero is whoever survives. Oh, this interesting. That that puts some stuff into perspective. Um, but so you were gonna riff on that for Pathfinder if well, you... since Pathfinder is a D twenty system, um, I was going to have everyone create zero level characters, three D six right down the line. Everyone already knows the basic mechanics for Pathfinder. Sure. Yeah, it's the same as DCC. It's the same mechanics as D twenty plus a modifier. Hit your t- hit your uh, target number. You have the same hit, uh, saving throws. It's all the same shit. I'm just stripping everything else away. No skills, no powers, no any of the oh, shit that's extra. Very clever. And then I was just going to run people through a meat grinder and just like, if you die, go ahead and make another character real quick because it takes you know all of a minute to roll. <laughs> yeah. So you know while you're recouping, then you make another character three to six down the line. Off you go. You want my? You want you want to hear my strategy for for Iron GM? You want to hear like my little my little tip? go is you you prep a story the night before all right and i know you got to have these three elements right you got to have these th- you're supposed to add in these three elements but i feel like if you're if you're good at the improvisational writing of games then it's not going to be too hard to work these things in regardless of whatever it is and you say so you have a story outline and this one story outline will work for either game you see what I'm saying? Right. You just reskin the game when you sit down. You're like, okay, I'm pitching World of Darkness. And they go, no, fuck you, no World of Darkness. And you're like, okay, fine, Pathfinder. And you run the same game, but like, oh, instead of uh, this being, well, shit, it was a vampire in World of Darkness. It's a vampire in D&D, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. just a different rule set, you know? I mean, that's, that's and, and I feel like that is where you save so much time. You you, you, you can use your stories and set in your head. Right. You know, and you can do all the pantomiming for characters and all that shit, you know, um, which ends up just soaking up. So unless I mean, I guess you found ways around. Well, no, it. I mean, no, I, apparently me, not, because I didn't fucking take first. So, like I had uh, no prep. I went in there with like, oh, fuck I, it, I'm going to wing it. Look, I, 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 I didn't talk over anything at the people at our table. Um, 
but I talked over with this guy afterwards, and we were talking about how we how we rated people. And apparently, I rated you higher than a lot of other people rated their GM <laughs> at their table. Oh, thank you. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah. I mean, uh, like I'm not. I don't know if the guy Matt who who ran our game listens to the podcast. If he does, thank you, Matt. Uh, but he was a great GM, and we had a lot of fun. But afterwards, we had three out of four of the people who uh, were at that table riding in a car to a restaurant, and we were talking about what we what we graded him at, and it was not like unbelievably spectacular. And I I thought I mean I thought you had it. I thought you had it in the bag. I was like, I was like, because I, I, I had told him outside when we were we were like doing some merch shopping, and I was like, yeah, man, like I felt like, like a couple of ingredients not the greatest. Yeah, yeah. Outside of that, I was like, I mean, everything else checklist down. I was like, high marks, high marks, high marks, high marks. Oh yeah, I shoehorned those fuckers in there. I was just like, yeah, it was well, barely even still, well, no, even yeah. still, the the mimics was really cool. I thought the mimics was really fun, um, and the multiverse was, you know, it could have used a little bit more work. Yeah. But uh, and then the the mutiny was shoehorned really bad. Yeah, yeah. I just but uh, I literally wow. Everyone's them. a yeah. critic. Jesus. No, 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 no. But I'm but I'm being honest. Like, yeah, I knew what I did. I, <laughs> yeah, no, no. And I, so I marked you down on that level. But everything else, I was like, great, 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 all the way down. Like I felt like I was being tough on my guy because here's the thing: is as a GM, like I didn't want to be like too hard on him because I, I didn't want to get into that mode of being like well i would have done it this way oh and yeah, like yeah. penalize him for that you know what i'm saying right. so after i stepped away from the table and i was talking to my friends about how they graded it it turns out they graded this dude way harder than i did and so at the end of the day i was like scratching my head and i was like what the fuck happened with jim's table and so you know i mean i think anybody who's ever been in a Iron GM competition. I don't want to sound like sour grapes. Do I sound like sour grapes right now? No, I think yeah. it's a hard thing when you're talking about different people grading different people because you have yeah. no idea what people's scales are. I think, I think, yeah, exactly. It's very subjective, and I think, and I think that it would be naive to not to, to say anything other than some stuff that doesn't go on at the table gets factored into it. You know, like if dudes mm. have friends who are running on other tables, and they're hoping. To get their buddy higher in the roster. Yeah, you go rougher on your GM. Yeah, yeah. you know, and I and I mean, and I wish that the gaming community was bigger than that sort of thing. But some stories that I've heard on podcasts and from friends about shit that goes on at like uh, like Gen Con Iron GM. Oh yeah, like yeah. curls your hair. You know, yeah, I don't mm. care about any of that. Like I, you know, like I, I realize I shoehorned the ingredients, and I did that last time too. I think I just barely what shoehorned them in. Ch- oh, dude, I got diary in on the, the October one. I got that in in like literally like the last two minutes. The, the funny is is so the first one I, I, it was was diary flood dragon. Yeah, well, it was deluge. Deluge, right? Yeah, which is yeah. like a flood, right? Yeah. And so I had the flood and I had the dragon all like meticulously mapped out in my head. The the one that I think that the the players missed was the fucking diary because like it was it was constant control. I gave him a data pad like almost right off the bat. Nobody looked at the fucking thing. Like <laughs> I even mentioned that I think that one point somebody dropped it and I'm like, oh, you pick up the data pad and like I said it like I emphasized like data pad and they're like. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. threw it in their back pocket and just kept going. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, maybe there'll be another one. I know that Ben wants to do some more of these. Yeah. So um, I and think I, 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 I didn't I didn't run in this last one because I was feeling kind of like low energy and like this the, this ongoing saga of this damn Ravenloft campaign like really had me kind of down. But yeah. like I'm back. 
I'm back with energy. I have energy again. So, so I've been listening to the to like I'm sitting there like yelling at my fucking car when I'm driving because I listen to you guys' podcast on the way to work. And so I've been listening lately about about like what's been going on with this Dra- Ravenloft campaign and sort of like sort of the ups and downs that you guys have been having with players. <laughs> and like oh that. boy! And and like I keep thinking like and, and this is like the smug fucking smug gamer in me. I'm like, it's because you're playing traditional games. You need to start playing some story games. Just get well, at it. Just fucking just just leave we all that We were just behind. having a conversation about the sex scene right before you came. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing is, is that like I'm a I'm a story game guy. Right. A story game guy. Like look at that wall of story games behind you. Right. This is these are these are for the most part story games, and that's really where my heart is. Um, but I feel like I have some people in my um in my group who are what what I've refer- heard referred to as gamists. And yeah. um, striking that balance, and, and you know, I, I'm only just kind of getting back on the horse, like after I didn't didn't GM at all in like a few years while I was in Los Angeles, and um, kind of finding my footing again. And uh, and then in particular with the Ravenloft module, it was this weird misbegotten desire I had to right. run it like just straight, just hardcore just, the way it was exactly, and that was and that was like where i really went wrong that was like the stupidest thing i could so the weird thing about that is is let me guess let me see if i can if i can like like fucking uh like an (laughs) armchair psychiatrist you were reading a bunch of stuff about osr and then you're like i'm gonna run ravenloft old school style yeah (laughs) pretty much exactly (laughs) the problem with old school gaming like i love osr shit but you have to have every single person on board otherwise you're fucked well what, what happened was is that when i pitched it to them i really thought that they got it yeah, and then we did the character creation. Everybody was laughing. Everybody was like, "Oh, this is just like back in the old days." I was like, "Yes, it is," and I thought that they got it. And then we sat down at the they table. Want to munchkin they, the shit out of they it? Did, is what they, they're trying to do. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you, how hard can you munchkin a fucking A D and D? I mean, the dice roll, and you and you're like, "Oh, well, shit. I guess I'm not a fucking." <laughs> yeah, it was paladin. weird looking at like. Like, oh, I've got five decks. I can only be a human. Yeah. Like that's it for me. Like. Yeah, everybody's got to be on board with that. That like, yeah. um, we're gonna solve problems as opposed to looking at skill less. Like, I can actually, we like, we can do a whole podcast about like how third edition was like the greatest thing and the worst thing that happened to gaming. Dude, I, oh, dude, one hundred percent agreement. One hundred percent agreement. A, we could do a whole podcast about yeah. that. B, like, I mean, the greatest and the worst, and the worst. So we'll, we'll, so we'll, we'll, we'll just turn the ship away from that just for just for a <laughs> second before we get before we get lost in that rabbit hole. And um, I'd like to hear about your current project. Yes, tell us about it. Yes, okay. So um, apparently I have super hatred for myself because I decided to try and organize <laughs> an event in Phoenix. <laughs> because, you know, um, you know, uh, I don't know the demographics for your podcast, but if you don't live in Phoenix, uh, Phoenix is really hurting for cons. They don't have anything out. Just kidding. No, there's so many fucking cons here. Like literally every month <laughs> you can hit a con. There's a con for everything. Like I shit you not, there was like a costuming con that happens here every once in a while. There's a there's a con <sighs> that most people don't know. Wow. Called Con Sim Games. That's about like those old school Avalon Hill mega fucking like military battle games. It's mm-hmm. like this huge week long fucking thing that they do. Seriously. Yeah, yeah I know. I've 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 actually uh, heard some people talk yeah. about this. Yeah, and uh and then you, you you have this rich history of, of uh sort of these conventions have been around for like Leprechaun's been around for like forty years. And, yeah. And I don't know if Coppercon is still a thing. But Isn't Cop- Coppercon in Tucson? Uh, no, I think I don't think Coppercon's happening anymore. But oh. but that was happening forever. And then you got Tuscon, and you have um, uh, what's the gaming con that just from Tucson? There's a gaming convention in Tucson. Um, Hexacon or some shit. 
or something. Dude, they there's, all yeah. blend together. Yeah, in so my there's head. <clears throat> there's a million cons out here. So the idea of doing a convention is really just kind of insane. However, <laughs> so um, <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. I love I love that spark of ingenuity where you're like, like, the odds are against me, but yeah, it's not so much that the odds are against me. Is is like I I spend a lot of time on on Google Plus. Like if you're not on Google ah. Plus and you're a gamer. You're really fucking hurting, especially if you know RPGs, because RPGs are amazing on Google Plus. If for no other reason, Google Plus is good for nothing else. It's good for gaming, right? And so my feed is just fucking full of all this gaming shit, right? Like, and I see all this stuff, and there's all these little, um, tiny RPG cons. They're just RPG cons that happen, and I would I see pictures of them like whenever they happen, and I'm like, oh damn, um, that's cool. I wish I can go. And there's like there's two there's two sort of quote unquote bigger RPG cons. Um, one is Gary Con. Mm, right? Yeah, I was about to say it's like the mecca. Like I want to go there and lay my dice on his grave. Like that's literally yeah. What that I that do. is a thing to do now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's uh, eight hundred to a thousand people. It's you know it's it's small, but it's that's kind of big too for sure for just role playing for all tabletop RPG. Yeah, it's just all tabletop. And the other one is um, North Texas RPG Con. Uh, North Texas RPG Con is basically GaryCon, only half the size. It's like 400 people. Mm-hmm. And apparently this is the place, like what I've been told, is like if you go to GaryCon, like there's all the old school TSR people up there. Mm-hmm. And you'll get to play a game with them, but there's a thousand people, so you don't really get to interact too much with them. Yeah. You go to North Texas RPG Con, you get to go to the bar and fucking have a drink with them. Mm-hmm. And with all these old school you know, writers and artists and shit from TSR and from back in the day from all these old, you know, retro games. Well, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it sounds fucking great. And so you hear about these things. Um, there's there's a con that actually is kind of like my hero, like the, my, uh, the one that I want to make crit hit like um, called um, Big Bad Con. And it happens in uh, Northern California. It's a small RPG uh, slash gaming con. So all these little, you know, um, little RPG cons tend to do well in other parts of the country. And so I was like, well, I want to do something like that here. So the first thing that I did was I'm like, well, is there a market for this? So um, I do a lot of creative stuff where I try to. And I always ask like some basic questions. Whenever anybody does anything creative, my first questions are, why is it different and why do I care? Solid. So there's already gaming conventions. We have Maricopa Con, which is a great uh, convention that's kind of slowly building up steam. They're getting really big. Um, I'm friends with the, the guy who organizes it. Jason. Jason, yeah. Jason's a friend of mine. Um, uh, PCC has amazing gaming. Most people don't know that that's a thing, but gaming is huge at, at Phoenix Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple other like um, cons in Tucson that, that do that as well. But none of them are specific. Like RPGs always kind of get... Um, like they're like the stepchild, like they they're they're very marginalized. I feel, mm-hmm. and um, sure. So this is different because I wanted to do something that was just RPG focused. It was it's just a weekend. You can hang out with other people and just geek out like like we're doing here. Yes, like just talk shit about RPGs and talk about mechanics and talk about rules and talk about like systems and all this cool shit that's out. And that's what I wanted is I wanted something that was just focused on RPG. So um, that's why it, it's it's different. And the reason that you care is because. It's just that. It's about people being passionate about this this hobby that somehow against all odds has has survived for 40 plus years. And like I'll get fucking snooty. RPGs have influenced the world in ways that like people don't realize. Like everything that we know about like video games, like your your yeah, sure. your Final Fantasy, all that sure. comes from from Dungeons and Dragons, right? Sure. Like the fact that there's a fucking Lord of the Rings movie and people know what an orc is, that's because of Dungeons and Dragons. Like it like 
yes, The Hobbit existed before, and yes, they would have made a movie and they had the cartoons and shit like that, but it never caught on. Like people didn't quite latch on to it because it wasn't in the social consciousness until you to, know to World of Warcraft, right? When mm, Warcraft is a direct yeah. descendant of of D anD D, it's sure. just an electronic version of it. You can it's argue, true. right? No, no, that, that it would be hard to argue against that. And so you had Warcraft, you had you had, um, uh, you had uh, uh, all like these MMORPGs. They're all getting big. Lord of the Rings hit big. Now everyone knows what an orc is. You have you know fucking like grandmothers playing fucking online RPGs and shit. So all these things are direct descendants of paper and pencil RPGs that started in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important to have a con that just focuses on that that core thing that influenced society so much, which is RPGs. All right. Well, I mean, we're in. Yep. Yeah. We can't wait. We can't wait. Sounds to like do a blast. It. So what? So what are your plans for it? And um, what, what has kind of gone into its creation? I mean, what kind of logistics do you have to do? You have to kind of take get your head around. I mean, how do you plan for something? Well, like there's that? a couple of key components when you plan something like this. The first one is is you drink a lot. Um, the All second right, one is you, there's a lot of crying. There's a lot of crying in the fetal position. And then the third one is just a lot of self-loathing. So if you got those three things, you can pretty much plan anything. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, I have all those in space. Yeah, so Am I in the wrong industry? Yeah. No. Um, so when I wanted to do this, I wanted to um, plan it out. to, to So originally, it, it's going to be a really small event. Um, 85 people is, is like the You're cap. You're capping it. I'm 85. Capping it. Yeah, it's 85. Um, and the reason for that is just because logistically planning out that many games is a nightmare. Like... It's it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, I and see what you're saying. And it's not as something as simple as like a board game, right? Like a board game is somebody just you, know, you can just throw board games out there, and somebody can run four or five different board games because they know the rules, and it's it's really easy. RPG, you got a plan. There's there's a lot of logistics involved in it. So I wanted to keep it small um, to focus on a can it be done, right? Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to do is is as much as I talk because I will talk forever. Um, and I'm pretty good at projecting my voice, but for the most part, like I'm a really soft-spoken dude. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't speak very loud. Um, so playing RPGs in a convention setting is for me very hard because I have to really like project my voice. And whenever I project my voice ap- after a certain point, it just sounds like I'm I'm angry, and I'm not. But people think that I'm just <laughs> like I'm pissed, and it's just because <laughs> the way my voice carries right after a certain octave. So in 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 a loud typical convention setting where it's just a big open room with a bunch of people it's hard for me to run a game i can do it i've done it but it's not my ideal setting even with these small like iron gm things that we do i find the cacophony to be a like a bit overwhelming yeah yeah it's 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 kind of hard so what i wanted to do for this is um and i haven't actually announced it on the page yet so uh, i guess i'll announce it here is i'm changing the venue um to the phoenix hilton garden i think is what it's called I can never remember the same hotel, but it's it's just, it's a different hotel than I originally planned. Um, but the idea is still be the same. Um, there's going to be separate rooms based on genre. So I'm going to have like a fantasy room, a horror room, a sci-fi room, right? A sci-fi modern room, basically. And the idea is to keep it so there's only like a couple of tables in each room, so that that noise level is down. Um, I also want to put like you know small speakers in there with very light music like soundtracks to different like for horror there'll be like some horror soundtracks not like like anything with vocals but like more right. of orchestra type stuff just to kind of set the mood um, as sort of background music and um, and the idea is that you have smaller spaces where you don't have to <coughs> yell and scream and, and and really you know 
get drowned out by just the sheer noise and volume of people. I think that's brilliant. Yep. Yeah, I can't wait. I think that that's I think that that's a that's a that's an innovation. You know, I mean, like I I find that much more appealing than being kind of like thrust into a giant room. It's like it's like packed with round tables and, and like the kind of and if you know I don't mean to rag on our people here you know because these are our people right but, you right know, right you know the gamer funk you know the gamer oh, yeah, funk yeah, yeah. smell I mean like that 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 in the past has been a real problem at conventions like I've gone to cons and the whole thing I'm just like oh it assails all of your senses oh yeah yeah and uh, so hopefully you know having the smaller rooms will either make that worse or make it better I don't know I haven't figured that out make yet it, but make it better yeah hopefully <laughs> definitely because um, at least you can spray down the rooms easier but um. But yeah, I wanted I wanted just to make it a little bit more intimate and um, and and something cooler. I wanted to make it something that that really um, is a place to uh, celebrate sort of this hobby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I, I like the idea of anything that sort of elevates tabletop RPG gaming and says that this is maybe this isn't isn't cool, but it's cooler, and it's not something that's hidden. It's something that can be mainstream. It's not something you have to like be ashamed of. Like you know, how many times has somebody said to you something like, "Oh, I'm when are you gonna quit playing those games?" And then they go and play golf, right? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, well, yeah. what? When are you gonna pl- quit playing games? You know, why is your game cool and my game's not? You know, it's right. just it's 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 a pastime. It's a hobby. Yeah, I think you know? it's weird that there is that sort of. I, I think that stigma. Even video away. games are the same way. They're like, what? Oh yeah. They're like, like, when are you gonna? When are you gonna stop playing those dorky games? And they go home and play like fucking like Black Ops or some shit. Yeah, you know? and you're like, you're like, wait a second, bro. Yeah, you're like, you're playing video games. Like that's the same shit. Yeah, it's the same thing. Um, I would argue that even RPGs are better because uh, dollar for dollar, you know, you spend fifty bucks on a book, um, you spend fifty bucks on a video game, you're gonna get like, you know, just hours. You're gonna get way more out of out sure. of an RPG book than you will ever. You know, well, that would be my take. That no green fees either. Well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, no green fees and um, yeah. You you have you have this this idea for this uh, are you are you calling it like the the game buffet is that what you're calling yeah it? the game buffet so, so tell, of, tell us about this because I find this particularly intriguing so uh, I wanted to do like you know there's no rules for this so I wanted to do really do um, things that I thought were cool like this whole thing is just stuff that I think is cool that I'm mashing together right so I want to do game buffet because um, um, I like reading rules <laughs> like I'm. Like that's my thing, dude. Totally. Like, and it turns out, like, uh, thanks to the internet, I found out I'm not the only one. Like, I will just read rule books for <laughs> systems that I'm never gonna fucking play or get a yeah. chance to play. Not because of lack of desire, but sometimes just people aren't into it, right? Like, I have a game right now called The Warren. It's about bunny rabbits. Oh, I've heard of this. Is this? It's good? a fucking amazing game. Yes. <laughs> and so, but like, I, I'll just read rules about shit, right? And here's the thing: is that it, I'm always interested in the mechanics of a game, like. Like I'm interested in the rules and, and how things work and click together, and uh, and that's really interesting to me. Like a lot of times, I'll just kind of skip to like how resolution is done, like combat mm-hmm. resolution or or whatever it is, because I'm fascinated by this. And so I don't. I wanted to do something where you don't have to sit down and play like a four hour game, you know, of you know this bunny game to figure out you you don't really like a game about bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I wanted to do was do something called a game buffet, where basically you're going to sit down. And it's going to be a time slot, and I haven't figured out the exact um, the time that I'm going to do it yet. But but let's say an hour or two, and in that, and let's say in the two hours, I'm going to show you I don't know three different systems, and instead of playing an entire adventure, we're just going to play some scenarios that highlight the rules and why that game is cool. 
So essentially, you're going to sit there for two hours, and I'm going to pitch to you three different games and then show you why it's cool. Nice. And this is an idea that I had because um, – <laughs> so um, I do uh, – at PCC, at Phoenix Comic Con, I do a panel on RPGs, on indie RPGs. And so one of my things is, is that I don't, I don't bash other people's systems. Like I'm not big on bashing other people's systems. If you like it and you enjoy it, fucking more power to you, right? Sure. I will give you shit for it, though. <laughs> like, I do reserve the right to, like, eh, that's kind of bullshit. So uh, there was a time and a place where there was a guy who was running uh, fourth edition encounters. Uh, or encounters, or I think is what they called, or whatever. D&D oh, yeah, encounters. I yeah. know what you yeah. mean. Fourth yeah, edition yeah, D&D yeah, encounters yeah. or whatever. D&D encounters, yeah. And so he would sit there, and I would and I would play a board game. Like, I'd be playing a board game with my friend, Heather. And um, I'm listening to this this game. And it's fucking like three hours long, and it's like one or two combat. <laughs> yes. And I'm driving myself up the fucking wall, trying not to jump in and go, "This is fucking insane," because like <laughs> I can throw down Savage Worlds, and and so D and D, you take out like twelve zombies, that's three hours. Good luck. You're like you're, you're gonna be there for a while. It's not really three hours, but but it'll be about an hour, right? It's about an hour to take out. It takes all. a long time. Yeah. Um, if you have four players with like twelve zombies, you're gonna be there about an hour at least, if not more, just fighting these things, right? I can do 30 zombies in Savage Worlds and do it in 20 minutes. Yeah. Right? I can do it much quicker. Um, Dungeon World, I can mow down even more. Like, we did the Iron Jam. You guys mowed down through dozens of ninja pirates in, like, not that much time. So, um, I was always fascinated by this idea of, like, let me show you this one thing that makes this system cool. Mm. And so, that's what that's what the Game Buffet is. It's, it's basically a, a place where um, different GMs um, will get to show the particulars of a system and what makes it cool so like what makes savage worlds cool what makes dungeon world cool what makes world of darkness cool like just show a couple of encounters of of the the mechanics that would sell you i don't need a whole four-hour session just show me why it's cool i think that's a great idea because i mean i'm i'm like an obsessive game collector i'm an obsessive kind of like book collector you know i mean I like to go into a couple game stores a week and then just walk up and down the aisles and see what kind of like jumps out at me. Kind of like to like to run my hands over the yeah. books. I like the way they I'm feel. Just sniff them. You know, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, what can one say? The the, you know, the smell of the paper yeah, and the yeah. ink. Um, but think about it. Like like so like you guys like like Limitations of the Flame Princess. Love it. Right. But how cool to be to like be able to show somebody like here, just sit down for like. You know, half an hour, and we're gonna run through a couple things. I'm gonna show you why this system is fucking awesome, dude. And that's exactly like we're not gonna play a whole adventure. I'm just gonna show you two or three things. This is what makes it awesome. This is why I love it. No, I think I, no, I think it's brilliant because I mean, sometimes you just don't want to spend fifty, sixty bucks. Have you noticed how 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 expensive gaming has become? I mean, I I feel like like every couple of years I have the same conversation. Like I can't believe how much well, core books cost. Well, we we sort of make gaming more experienced with our like buying of tons of fucking books all the time yeah i mean that makes it worse where you're like i mean we're just talking about how many kickstarters we supported recently uh, he's just he just got deep into the which one was this cult divinity lost are you are you backing oh, yeah. that yet no no dude you've got something like 36 hours the i highly would i would highly recommend it it's it's a it's it's on uh apocalypse world engine it's like gnostic horror 21 plus Hellraiser. Uh, I'm not sure how I missed this one. I have to look it up, actually. So yeah, I, I, I finally found out it was, a, it was a hack of the Apocalypse Engine, and I was like, I don't know why I haven't supported this yet. I yeah. need to go do it. Yeah, I, I don't think that they're really promoting that as much as they, sh- they could have been. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out, because that's like my favorite system. I'm enamored with 
powered by the apocalypse. Everyone is. It seems like in the indie, like if you're outside of the mainstream. It's a great system. Um, yeah. It's a great system. Like a, a, um, yeah, like I backed, um, and I'm not a wrestling fan, but I backed Worldwide Wrestling, I think is what it's called. It's it's powered by the apocalypse. I Give about, about fucking that. wrestling, and was I that, backed it. Like, Was that good? Did you... Um, you from yet? what I've seen, uh, I've seen some of the playbooks. It seems cool. Like, I think the the whole idea is that like you really play up sort of the, um, it's very meta. Like you're playing up like how your character, um, uh, gets the crowd to react to him and shit like that. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. So you have moves to do that. And, and like one of the things that I, I listened to another podcast where they talked about somebody playing it and I didn't know this about the game, which is really fucking cool. So, uh, worldwide wrestling is about wrestlers and, um, and I guess like the, the GM will tell you who the winner is and then you sort of like role play it out and you roll and stuff like that. And what's your role in to see how well the crowd reacts because you want the crowd to sort of be on your side, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a show. But one of the cool things about the game is like, let's say you and I are fighting, right? So Brendan and I are fighting and, and, there's, and, and Ben's just sitting there with like somebody else, let's say like Bill. They get to narrate like as if they're the announcers, the ring announcers, like what's happening. So while we're oh, making wow. our roles and describing stuff, we're like, and then he took, oh no, he can't believe what he's doing that. So you have to like totally do the whole uh, ring. They're like, that's fucking awesome. Like that's, uh, wrestling's not my thing, but I totally would get into that. You know, um, when I saw that, my, that game, my first thought was, oh, I hope it takes place like behind the scenes where it's yeah. like you actually play like the wrestler and you got to go backstage and pick the tacks out of your back. And then like, I like think there's Vince some McMahon of that in there. comes in there and tells you that you're, you're worthless and you don't even own your own name. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. Yeah, like, like that, to me, that's awesome. That's, <laughs> I mean, I'd play the shit out of that. I would. That's, that's fucking great. Like if, like, have you seen that movie, the wrestler? Like, yeah, no, like, I haven't. Cause it's Aronofsky, man, his, Aronofsky. him and his, his fucking gut punch movies, man. Oh. I have a hard time with them. We can about Aronofsky for a sec. So Aronofsky is one of my favorite directors because every movie is an emotion. Like every movie is centered around, except for Noah, but every movie is mm. an emotion. Like, like uh, Pi is about fucking paranoia. Like that movie, you feel fucking paranoid of everything when you watch that movie. And so what's Requiem for a Dream? It's just fucking misery. Is what it is. <laughs> despair. Yeah, despair. It's like, yeah, it's very despair and like addiction. Like I've known people I have problems. to say, man, at the end of that movie, when I saw that, when I saw that screener with Mike, it was just despair. That Were you guys talking about like you could see it once and that was it? Or yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm yeah. still to this day only no, seen it once. I I've won't only see it again. Once. Yeah, I went into the movie theater to go watch that. I had, I it's a fucking badass movie. I won't see it once. All I knew was like, it's the director of Pi. I was like, all right, cool. I'll go watch it. And I uh, had no idea what this movie was about. And holy shit, like that. Like I have friends that had issues. So, 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 so I had a, I was living with this guy, Mike, at the time, my roommate. And uh, he had, uh, he had press passes that he got in an auction. He's like, oh, let's go see this uh, screen of this movie with press passes. And I was like, what's the bad? He's like, I don't know, drug use or something. Like, like I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, like drugs. transpotting or something. Yeah. I was like, it's all right, cool. Sounds fun. Yeah, transpotting <laughs> was fun. I like this. Yeah, I was like, I was, oh, no. Next thing you know, ass to ass. And you're like, no. <laughs> it's oh, it's the only drug movie that at no point romanticizes drug use. No, you're no. like, I, I don't want to do At no point do you ever feel like, man, being a junkie would be cool. There's there's two chicks in a dildo. You think normally this is a beautiful thing. It's fucking horrible. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. You oh, took God. something beautiful oh, and they man. ruined it and, for me. Oh, and then the... the <laughs> Forever. His Forever. use of sound, too, like you did in Pie, but with the refrigerator, oh, yeah, fucking yeah. Requiem, you're just like, ah! Yeah, it's very Stop it with the fucking refrigerator. It's driving me nuts. So anyway. he made The Wrestler, which is about just kind of like um, regret and loneliness and stuff like that. And it's, it's a really powerful fucking movie. And so I would love to do World Ride Wrestling and show sort of the other side because I've seen like... Yeah. Um, I've I've seen documentaries about wrestlers, even though because I, I watched wrestling when I was a kid, but then I grew out of it after like thirteen and stuff. But it's still sort of fascinated by the business side of it. Yeah, 
And um and like apparently like wrestling back in the day before like WWF became a thing mm-hmm. was really rough. Like it was fucking ghetto. Like you like it was gangster. Like you had to carry a gun because motherfuckers would roll up on you and steal your money because you had like a bag full of money or oh because they were doing the touring shit yeah, yeah. Like the traveling so the yeah. traveling like right cash. right right yeah so you had to be rough and there was like a lot of booze and drugs and hookers and like it was just a rough fucking pretty gangster kind of life right and so like i would love to do a game like that that's well and, you know what you need to do is when you get your uh worldwide wide wrestling you need to do a little uh, zine hack. Yeah. Just do a zine hack and like put it up on, on Etsy or <laughs> what something. What kind of drugs are in your bag? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like a period hack. That yeah. sounds great. I'd play the shit. Yeah, that'd be awesome. By like the 70s way. style. Like that sounds yeah. pretty fun. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds fucking great. I love I love crime. I love noir. I love the intersection of crime and noir with other things. You know, like, like, like how cause everybody always thinks like, you know, Philip Marlowe and Sam Spade and stuff like that. But like, like I think, for instance, like the Big Lebowski really shows us like how a noir can look like anything. You oh know? yeah. So you just you take you take like the, the the tropes of like of 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 wrestling in the 1970s period piece, and then you put a, a noir spin noir, on and it. that's it's brilliant. Yeah, that actually sounds awesome. I can't wait to get that book now. <laughs> 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 you sold me when you said Bill Glebowski. Oh, you mean the greatest movie American movie ever made? Yeah, yeah dude. I mean, really and, and and if not, then you know which one? Yeah, exactly. There's another really great um this off the topic of RPGs, but it, it does fit into it. There's a one of my favorite movies is a movie called Brick. Um, oh, with, that's the uh, guy who directed Looper. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, same dude. And uh, it's it's a film noir about um, uh, a high school kid, and it all takes place in high school. And they speak a slang in this movie, like they speak sort of like um, it's not any real thing. Like like it sounds like something from the '40s, but it's not. It's it's not it's not like '40s slang. But they speak in a cadence and a, and a rhythm that reminds you of the '40s. So it's almost like a slang. Like you almost have to watch it with subtitles to figure out what the fuck they're saying. Oh, and it's amazing. It's one of those. Yeah, that's, it, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's so good, and it's just this really powerful, like film noir thing, and and like, it, but it's set in a high school. Yeah, it's got it's got JGL in it, right? Like young JGL. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, my girlfriend is a big fan of that of that movie, and she's been trying to get me to watch it forever. Oh, it's I've amazing. Been, I've been hemming and hawing and not doing it. And I want to I want to do more like like noir games because I love stuff like that i like taking like regular things and adding that noir spin to it exactly exactly i feel you there like i have a, a an adventure that i'm dying to play i, I backed a or it was a kickstarter um by this guy named verger satanis which is like the most fucking awesome name in the world That's, that that is pretty good and you see the guy and you're like, you're like yeah of course your name is Ver-. he's like bald with like he looks like anton levey like he's just <laughs> like this like just metal satanic dude right and um and he made this this game that apparently it's it's a like a, a Lovecraftian horror, but it takes place in the seventies, which is such a fucking cool time period to set something like that in. And what 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 what, what, what do you do in it? Is it like disco seventies? Yeah, like- yeah, yeah. Like like uh, well, not disco, but more like Starskin Hutch, like uh, like. Uh, Oh man! Not, not, not the it goofy would, comedy. It would be so but, hard to do that. No, not no, d- not the fucking. Yeah, not but like the you know, movie. like uh, Hill Street Blues, like just that gritty set, like because like you know New York in the seventies. Oh, like okay, okay, kind of like yeah. uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, kinda like yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, that 70s. just really gritty seventies uh, kind of thing. Bullet Serpico, yeah, Serpico. That's yeah. There we go. There we go. So, but that's like a, like a Lovecraftian story, and like that's that's the beauty of video game, of, of video games of, of role playing games is you can take all these cool genres and mix them up and tell these really cool stories yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, gentlemen, 
our time has come, and so we're going to have to cut it off there. Thank you for joining us, Jim. Appreciate yeah, it. Thank, thank you. Um, Jim, before we go, how many days are left on your Kickstarter? Uh, as of today, there's 13 days um, to do the Kickstarter. We're like at 63%, I believe. We have a bunch of really cool guests. Our guests, we have uh, Ken Sinandre, who's the guy who did the second RPG ever created, Tunnels and Trolls. Yes. Uh, we have Ben Warner, who created a really awesome story game about... Uh, a samurai noir or a feudal Japan noir game. Ooh. A very awesome game called World or Do. And our guest of honor is the guy who holds the record for like the biggest RPG ever on Kickstarter. So John Wick is the guest of honor. He's going to be running some uh, 7C games. You get to play the games with oh, some creators. Wow. So that's going to be awesome. That sounds really good. And a bunch of other fun stuff. It's uh, if you go on kickstarter.com and you look for Crit Hit 2016. Um, you'll find it there. Uh, there's a bunch of other stuff that I'm doing with the Kickstarter too. Like, uh, uh, you're, you're not going to get a badge. You're going to get like a keychain as your badge, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a little keepsake when you go home and I'm doing, uh, beer mugs and wine glasses as add-ons and whiskey glasses. Cause everyone I know loves booze. So you get like these custom etched, uh, glassware as an add-on to, to help fund this thing. And then the bag and yeah. And there's, there's like a cool messenger bag. Oh yeah. There's a cool messenger <laughs> bag. Yeah, and, and, really and a cool. really cool print that, uh, some, uh, local artist is doing and, um, so there's a lot of cool stuff that's in there, and it's really uh, – I'm not making any money off this thing. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to lose some money on it. But it's all about uh, getting the community together to pitch in to make it a cool event where we can just kind of focus on playing some games, um, you know, get out of the house, meet some new people, meet some new designers, you know, play with a designer, and uh, make some new friends. And I've said it before, but I'll say it again. You know, we, we get the scene that we deserve. So now is the time if you're in the Phoenix metro area – uh, and RPGs are your jam. It's time to get behind this thing. Um, if you're not in the Phoenix metro area, but you're thinking about maybe coming out, or maybe you'd just like to come down, you'd like to meet John Wick, you'd like to meet the hosts of your maybe second favorite podcast ever. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We have a podcast that's going to be uh, recording a game there. Yeah, well... we'll or a game and a podcast, or we'll, both. Well, we'll, we're going we're gonna to record anything that will let us record it is basically... My plan. So, um, you know, come, come, come on down. But the only way to get in is to pledge. So get on Kickstarter, pledge, and uh, we hope to see you at Crit Hit 2016. All right, gentlemen. Once again, thank you very much, and thank you to our listeners. Have a great night. All right, all right, all right. We've come to that very special part of the evening where we are going to determine the winner of the Cursed by a Ravenloft competition. The winner receives a brand new copy of the Curse of Strahd adventure module, levels 1 through 10, from Wizards of the Coast. It's coming to you free from Full Metal RPG, delivered to your door on us. All right, so we've got our contestants all written down here, and we are about to roll the die. I am not going to say who is corresponding to which number. I'm just going to say who wins, but we're going to roll the die right now. Here we go. And the winner is Daragon Art on our Instagram. Daragon Art, you have won a copy of Curse of Strahd, courtesy of... Full Metal RPG. We'll be posting this on Instagram. We'll be looking for your mailing address. PM it to us. 
so we can get you your prize. Thank everybody for playing. We'll have more promotions coming soon. Thank you for everything. To all of our listeners, have a great night. have music once again by Legion, Abyssal Plains, our friends Blowed with Deliverance. You can follow us on Instagram, which is our preferred mode, but we're also on Facebook. We're on Twitter. You can download Full Metal RPG on SoundCloud and on iTunes, but we are also on Podbean and we are on Stitcher. You're listening and enjoying it. Take a listen to our World of Darkness sister podcast, the Shadow Sworn Radio Hour, and many super props to our friends at Darker Days Radio. Thank you guys for everything that you have done for us. We have artwork today by Mario Torres, Misafont, on Instagram. Check out his feed. And check out the feed of our friend and comrade, Art of Nerdgore. Nerdgore Rich, Rich Nerdgore, Art of Nerdgore on Instagram. Did you listen to the um did you listen to the last episode? No, I haven't listened to the last episode. Oh, yet. Sorry. I don't even listen to the show anymore. I, I I started, I just haven't finished it. I put an Easter egg at the very end, so listen to the very end. Okay. Cool. Well I'll go I'll finish it up. I'm it's it's the one I'm listening to right now. No, I, I feel you. I feel you.